Hello and good day everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneers Podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, powerful in the world of Pioneer. I'm your host Kevin Finkel, joined here by my co-host and one of our absolute favorite returning guests. Hello everybody, I am Ryan, uh, the uh, cardboard samurai out of the Tokyo area of Japan and special guest, you are? Hello, it's Claudio again, here about stock some about some pioneer about some uh deck that i have to create yes yeah definitely get credit for popularizing this deck you know it's not the only deck that you've popularized so we can't say it's what you're known for but we can certainly say that it's a deck that would not be in such a landmark position it is in the format if it were not for uh you're playing it refining it and getting it out there in the world of Online Pioneer, which is uh, really what we're kind of looking at here, is a little bit of a competitive view, breaking down a fun deck that's kind of new to this season, and that is the Five Colors Humans deck. So, um, what, uh, yeah, where do we want to start with this? Why don't you lead us off, Ryan? Well, before we start, I do want to apologize to our listeners. I uh, could only record this very late at night for uh, (laughs) my co-host, so, you know, if Claudio Claudio goes to sleep during this podcast, (laughs) my apologies. (laughs) Yeah, um, but yeah, so yeah, today we're talking about five color humans, and you know we've done these pioneer one hundred and one um, uh, topics before, kind of just to help people like understand how to play the decks and how to play around the decks, etc. So let's start off with what is five color humans? How does it win? And why did you decide to play it this season? Like, why is it one of your current decks? So Claudio, yeah, so I think the I'm going to start with um, why I wanted to play the deck in the first place. I played humans in modern in its heyday when the deck the deck was really good, and I always like the gameplay of playing disruptive creatures in an aggressive deck shell is pretty is pretty cool. Like you're you're playing all these creatures with spell like abilities, so you can like interact with your opponent without actually playing spells. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what the humans tribe is known known for. You have taxing effects, you have bounce creatures, you have like uh, lords. So it's a pretty cool style of deck, and so mm-hmm. you said it was an aggro deck in modern. Is it an aggro deck in pioneer? Yeah, I think so. I think more so in pioneer. And, and that's maybe where I want to jump in and say, what made this a deck that showed up this season? Um, so basically, what what's changed that made this into the format, or was it something that was just under the radar previously? I think this deck is a deck that has been steadily getting more cards and. Like that's helping the deck become more competitive. Like uh, this, this, like in Innistrad, we got Adeline, which is a really powerful human. We also got War of Pack Leader recently. So and Atalia as well. Atalia was not legal in the format, so all that uh, added up together uh, into Kamigawa was released, and now we have another five color land, and that makes the deck possible. Hmm. Because now we have okay. secluded courtyard and unclaimed territory, so now you have eight five color lands for tribal decks. Yeah, I remember us being really excited about that before uh, Kamigawa came out. And I'm so happy that you put this, you somehow made this deck work. <laughs> I'm really happy to see it. Yeah, being it's played. like grains of sand that's that they're coming together to form a deck. That over time, the strategy is just going to get more powerful because human is a pretty common creature type. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I I wouldn't say that the deck is optimized yet, but I would say it's getting kind of close. But that's kind of what I wanted to lead into next is like, what are the core cards of this deck? Like when you're building a human's deck, what cards need to be in there? Okay, so I think I have, I know what you're talking about. I, I also have this idea in my head of like the core cards that I think need to be there in certain numbers. Like, uh, for example, I think, you always are going to be playing Talia three or four copies. That's one of the reasons to play the deck. It's a really good two mm-hmm. drop. Uh, like Reflector Mage is also something that I think it's a core feature of the deck. Since you're not playing spells, you need a way to interact with creatures. And I don't think Reflector Mage is ever going to be a bad card. So you're probably going to be running that. And also Mantis Rider. Mantis Rider is also. I don't mm-hmm. know how strong this card is. It's like pretty good. Yeah, can you explain like why why is that card good? <laughs> yeah, so like it's a it's a true drop that can attack and defend, and it, it hits pretty hard. So I, it's pretty simple, but it's like it's pretty strong. It's a it's a rate that's not easily achieved on any creature. Like it has evasion, it can attack and defend at the same time. It it does kind of everything you want in racing situations. It's good I mean, to yeah, it's it, good to play after they play a rough or something because the haze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's someone who played a lot of standard during the time when Mantis Rider is popular. It kind of always felt like if Mantis Rider hits you twice, the game ends. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of like how much tempo the card gets as coming out as early as turn three, mm-hmm. and you know hitting like a truck, you know three damage, three damage. Mm-hmm. By the time if you're you know answering it two turns later, it feels like the game's already lost. Often, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And in this deck, it can also get bigger so that. It just increases the clock. Yeah, yeah. So you said Thalia, Mantis Rider, Reflector Mage. What other key cards or core cards yeah, would you say co- are in the of deck? Of course, Thalia's Lieutenant. That's your... like One of the mm-hmm. payoffs for this deck is actually the mana base, but the the other payoff is the is the Thalia's Lieutenant. So that's your Lord. So that's a pretty, like a pretty standard card that you're going to see in humans' decks. Um, and I think those are the core cards... I, okay. and, and also like for company I think you need to be playing for a company for that uh, extra punch so yeah, yeah collected company as well so the collected company mm-hmm. is 100% you want to play with that because uh, you're trying to get as much uh, advantage, card advantage as possible right? Mm-hmm. and that also leaves you in a good position to play against roughs because you're just playing a creature deck and in some spots you're going to be a sitting duck there if you're just playing creatures on your turn without anything fancy. So the company mm-hmm. lets you leverage, like, uh, let's say you play Adeline's a fantastic creature because it can create an army by herself. So you, mm-hmm. you, it's pretty often that you're going to play a couple creatures and you can just not add anything else to the board and hold up a company. So when they rough you, you can keep the pressure going. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, it sounds like that's the biggest challenge for the deck is getting around the wrath. And having those cards like Mantis Rider and Collected Company is what uh, helps this deck succeed in... Well, we've been talking about how blue-white control has been becoming uh, more popular. So, Funnily enough, I, th- I think you can play around roughs decently. I think yeah. that the the most difficult matchups are when uh, your opponent has consistent spot removal that they're not going to leave you establish a board position very mm-hmm. easily. So I I think those those are the toughest matchups. 
So yeah, so you yeah. said the hardest part is uh, you know trying to play around wraths. For me, I think the hardest part is trying to narrow down what cards you want to play because every single you know you're five color human, so every single human that's one of any five colors could basically fit into this deck. And, uh, for me, for me, I think the hardest part is going to be narrowing down what exactly like how you got to this exact build and some of these numbers here. I yeah. want to especially call out, you know, you've got some one ofs in the list that you're currently playing that you're looking at. And I want to know how we kind of got to those numbers because, uh, you know, Luminarch Aspirant has been a very powerful human in standard. You're currently playing one of them. Mm-hmm. I see one of General Kudro, which, you know, many people might think is another lord. We're also not playing some additional lords such as the uh, the Benelish Marshal, which is a three mana lord. Um, and then you've also got a one of, of Ebs and Falconer. So I want to hear a little bit more about some of the card choices, as well as some of the cards that didn't make the list, that you either tried out or you've just uh, dismissed. Mm-hmm. So like the especially the cards that you see as one-offs, I think those are like the flex spots of the deck that I, I like to try different cards out. Um, I tried a bunch of different cards already. I tried Catilda, I tried Grave Retrospacer, I didn't try Bananish Marshall. I think that's pushing it a bit too far because I like I play some lands that only tap for green. So like mm-hmm. you can't play all the like all the creatures you want. Like for example, the Black Splash in this deck is pretty light. So I would not play that many black creatures, especially if they cost two mana. Like I fight Silver Booter, it's a card people ask about all the time. And I, I was definitely mm-hmm. going to ask you about Freebooter this episode because I know I've I've heard you say many times why you aren't a fan of Freebooter, but I think that that's something people will probably ask about. That's something that people liked to play in in their uh, you know in these kind of decks. It sees them play in the modern version. So mm-hmm. do you want to touch on that real quick? Is uh, what do you like or not like about Kite Sail Freebooter? And Kite Sail Freebooter for anyone listening, that's a one-two flying that when it enters, you look at your opponent's hand and you can take, I believe it's any non-land card mm-hmm. and exile non-creature, it non-creature, non-land cards. Non-creature, non-land, that's right. Yeah, so you exile the card underneath the, the Freebooter, and if the Freebooter leaves play, they get back the card. So, I don't like the card for two reasons. I think that it's hard to cast, this, like the first, one, the, the first one and the most important one. I don't think we're going to be able to consistently cast it, because my like the mana base that is heavily tilted towards green because uh, of the Werewolf Pack Leader and Collected Company, you have to play a couple of green lands mm-hmm. to have actual green sources for for the company, since uh, you have like uh, the five color lands is only top for creatures. And yeah, and you want your lands to be basically either green or, or able to cast Mantis yeah. Rider is what it seems to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, and you you're going to see that the mana base is kind of a bunch of one offs because I don't think it's optimized yet, but it's trying to balance the fact that you need to cast Mantis Rider pretty often. So you see a couple um, Jeskai color lands because of that reason. Mm-hmm. But an overgrown tomb wouldn't really work because it couldn't cast Mantis Rider mm-hmm. and you couldn't do really like you know a watery grave because it wouldn't or like, probably like a, a God of the Shrine because it wouldn't cast Werewolf Pack Leader or Collective Company. Yeah, so like right now I think I only have two lands in the whole deck that don't cast Werewolf Pack Leader. So hmm. that would be the Hallowed Fountain and the Inspiring Vantage. So I think you mm-hmm. have to be a bit uh, careful with uh, which creatures you play because you can't really force that mana base that much. Like, for example, you can't play Scabcomb Berserker in this deck. You are not going to be able to cast it ever because it's too red. So 
You need to be careful yeah. with the, the creatures you play. So double green, double white are fine. Yeah, because the, the deck is base green and white, and it's splashing mm. the other colors. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the green and white ones, uh, you know, on play. I don't think they have done as well as the um, five-color versions. I mean, is that because of Reflector Mage and Mantis Rider, you think? I think those were they actually... before Kamigawa. I saw people playing the Humans decks before Kamigawa. And when mm-hmm. Talia got into the format, I think that decks had some success there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not, and like before you could, just couldn't build a deck like this and now you can and I think this version is better your creatures are stronger mm-hmm. um, how about the one drops you know, we got Thraven and, and Ex- Experiment 1 in here why those and why not any other ones yeah I think the one drops are the part that you can uh, play around the most there are, there are actually a lot of options I found that the experiment one does a pretty good impression of Champion of the Parish. Uh, it's not super hard to get it up to a 4-4 four four, and it's a resilient creature that uh, survives roughs and spot removal. So I think it's a pretty good pretty good one. Like this deck is a bit one of the problems this deck has is that some of your draws are going to be a bit slow out of the gate and the experiment one provides some uh, good pressure. It's also nice because a bunch uh, experiment one enables a bunch of your cards where you can actually draw a card on turn three with uh, Werewolf Pack Leader. So you go experiment mm-hmm. one turn one Pack Leader turn three evolve it, and on turn three if you play any three toughness creatures you all already can draw a card. So mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Those are going to be like your strong your stronger openers are going to involve Pack Leader plus a Mantis Rider on turn three or experiment one plus Pack Leader. So you can start generating some card advantage. I want to ask, did you ever consider Warden of the First Tree? I think it's a fine option. I tried <laughs> it. I tried it because it's n- nice to have a mana sink. Because, mm. Yeah, I'm playing 23 lands, so I'm, you're going to floods in a couple games because I think 23 lands is a good number to be able to cast Companion Curve consistently. So yeah, but you're going to flood in some games, and Warden is a fine option to to sink your money into. It always. I'll give my opinion yeah. on Warden if that's okay. You know, I think you know, really fatal push is why Warden stops seeing play. All of these um, cards the other thing about are Warden, fatal pushable almost. Yes, the, the <laughs> thing about Warden is that it kind of helps in a deck that doesn't have very many two drops. Mm-hmm. Uh, this deck has excellent two drops, so I feel like you're not as often going to be able to, you know, go turn one more than turn two evolve mm-hmm. because you'd much be rather be, you know, playing your Thalia, playing your werewolf pack leader, playing your Thalia's lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think that's not a good fit for this list. Yeah, but there's a bunch of one-drop creatures you can play. I, I'm choosing to play the inspector here because uh, it's, a, it's a good creature. It helps evolve the experiment one. It's like the clues are, are going to be important when you're playing as a attrition matchup. But like you can play mm-hmm. Dauntless Bodyguard, you can play Hopeful Initiate. I tried that one. I did. I didn't like it very much, but I can see it being good. Um, you can play a Kiton. Kiton is a fine one as well because mm-hmm. there's some draws where you're going to be able to flip that on turn three because of Mantis Rider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think those are mostly the ones that I tested. 
I'm sure there's. Okay. Can you think of anything else that you've tried at the uh, you know at, at other CMCs as well that didn't make the final list here? Other CMCs. So I tried uh, Graveyard Trespasser because hmm. I was trying to play some Graveyard Hate in the form of a creature and it didn't feel that strong to me. It often backfires against Phoenix because they can just kill it and discard the Phoenix and bring it, bring it back. So it's a bit awkward there. Um. Uh, mm-hmm. I, w- I was gonna say it seems like it's lacking in uh, werewolves. Yeah, you know, we have the werewolf <laughs> pack leader, but have you played any of the others or tried any of the other werewolf creatures? Like uh, I know I like played had the Katar one... in the sideboard for a while. Mm-hmm. But the I think exile the, one. Yeah, the exile yeah. one. Yeah, that was I think the the only one I tried. Back then, when Aros was seeing a lot of play, I wanted the Brutal Katar effect. So that's why I stopped mm-hmm. playing it, because the deck kind of kind of fell off after the Lurus ban. Okay. So like, there's a bunch of options you can try, def- depending on the metagame. Like, for example, you asked about the one-offs. I'm playing the Falconer, because mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. the Falconer is really good against Winota. It, you're going to give flying to all your creatures, so you can offer strike. So mm-hmm. yeah, and the, there's a couple matchups in the format where the um, the bard the ground is going to stall to stall, and the falconer is a, is a really nice addition for that. And like the general quadro as well, is, uh, I think it's I, I've seen some people play more copies, and I think it's a pretty good card. But like uh, Kudru is really good against Winot as well, and also he provides some graveyard hate because you can like use some humans to kill Winota. and you can also kill Fing. Yeah, incidental hate. Yeah, you can kill Fing in the ice with it. Like it's a, it's a fine creature. So, do uh, you want to talk about the sideboard real quick? Uh, like your current choices. Why do you have these cards in your sideboard? Mm-hmm. So I have some cards that are hates towards spell-based decks, and like for example, I'm playing combo, two copies of combo, two copies of deafening silence, and two copies of redain. Those are really really good against Lotus Field. Uh, some of them are good, are, are good against Phoenix, not redain, mm-hmm. but the the silence and the combo. Um. I saw. I was not playing this card before, but I saw some people playing Valor Stance the SCG tournament that happened a few weeks ago, and it, the, the idea is pretty good. It's such a mono answer to Winota. Can also tag Finia, which which is a problem for this deck. So I have been playing that, and I'm, I have been pretty happy with it. So it's a pretty good answer to to big creatures. Um, have you sided in Redain against the? Um... The, the the opposite side against like the anvil decks or the mayhem devil decks uh actually i don't i only said board her against monorad or the shields mm-hmm. i think the shields pretty strong against monorads i have not tried siding her in the anvil matchup yet uh that's why i'm playing shaper sanctuary mm-hmm. shape shaper is like really good against mayhem devil and the uh, other spot removal they play you just keep drawing cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like the spell bar binder is pretty generic. You can uh, you can bring uh, it in against the combo decks and against blood control. All right, Kevin. Uh, anything else you want to ask about the the deck, or do you want to move on to like matchups? 
Uh, just my fun of, because I feel like I ask them every time. Have you tried Helena and Elena? Because I feel like I want to see someone play that card, and I haven't had a chance to test this test myself. This deck myself. I think it's a good card, and you kind of hard to play some non coco hits in your deck. I I tried her before, and it's it's pretty tough though. If you're not, I, when I tried her, I was playing Katilda, so I could play her ahead of curve. Hmm. Hmm. But I think it's a it's a good creature, especially because if you can pump her power, she adds more counters to to the other creatures. So she might be really good if the form is like really creature focused, and you're going to have these board stalls when the the counters are going to give you a huge advantage. Like the other, there's another four drop I really like to play if the meta is really aggressive, and that's the Heron's Grace Champion. Like mm-hmm. the the life swings are really really great when you're playing as like mono red or mono black decks like that. Not so that one's the three three for two and a green and a white, and when it enters, it gives plus one plus one and lifelink to all of your other humans. I yeah, believe. that that's the one. With flash, With flash yes. yeah, okay. Flash. So it's like a combat trick almost. It's also nice because if you're holding up Collected Company, people will... You know, you have the choice of the two of them, Mm -hmm. or... Yeah, okay. Uh, So you were just talking a little bit about, like, hey, when it's a very creature-heavy focused. So big thing that changed this season is that, you know, we lost Luris, obviously, and that's why I think I'm excited to have you on talking about an aggro deck in the format that survived the Luris ban. Mm -hmm. You know, you weren't playing Luris before, probably, with with three drops in the deck. (laughs) Um, But that also affected a lot of other people, so... It's nice to see any aggro deck that isn't Minota, I think. And uh, so kind of just tell me like where you see the format as far as like where this fits in the format as an aggro list. Mm. So I think this deck is really good if you're playing as the more... like If you're playing as the more controlling decks and Lotus Field, just got Sundancy. Because hmm. I think you're really good at putting some some pressure with disruption which is like a, mm-hmm. a, a good recipe recipe in that match in those matchups and i think you suffer a little bit if the formats really have interactive with explaining a bunch of fatal pushes and like i don't think the phoenix matchup is super great mm. they have like a bunch of really efficient spot removal and thing in the eyes those are cards you don't want to see mm. i mean we know that kind of suffers from that same uh problem against uh phoenix i think right kind of but the winota deck has something that this deck doesn't which is speed like the, mm. the elves really make a difference there so that's why i always say that this deck is now in a good spot like it's a playable and fine deck but when mm-hmm. we get like a human mana dark the deck is going to be actually great because it's what mm. the deck is missing right now yeah, I'm kind of sad we didn't get the Innistrad reprints of like the Avacus Pilgrim. Yeah, that card would be so insane. That's a great point. Is is something that we're missing? Is there anything else you can think of that you would really like to see from this deck? Um, such as there is anything else? Is there anything else in the modern version of the deck that you would wish you had as an option here for Pioneer? Mm. There's like Cassig Malcontent is a good one. It like uh, it's a mm. three mana three one I believe that would end. When it enters play, you do damage to your opponent equal to the number of humans you control. So it wow. gives your deck reach, and you can company like into elves. it. Yeah, it's like elves, like a sham of the pack for humans. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good one. Um, Chimp of the Parish, obviously, like it's a 
with the best one drop the death the tribe has mm-hmm. uh the monodarf and Madding mage probably like those are the big big missing pieces okay all right so we we talked a little bit about the matchups you said the matchups aren't that good uh against um uh what'd you say uh phoenix and yeah, maybe Phoenix. Winota's a, a little bit faster, but can you go into a little bit more depth about the other decks in in the format? Like, how does it match up? Like, what are what are its good matchups? What are its bad matchups? Yeah, so I think the best matchup for this deck is Lotus Field. I think I have yet to lose against it. Like, you just have all the tools, all okay. the tools to beat to beat them. Like, you're playing, you're playing Talia. Like, I think game one, it's a bit closer for them. Because you pretty much only have Talia, so you, if you have that in your opener, it's a big deal. But sometimes mm-hmm. you're not going to have to have Talia. But post party really gets to replace your reflector mages for like more disruptive cards like combo and spellbinder, also redain mm-hmm. and Daphne silence. So I think and you like the clock that this deck puts out is really fast. So mm-hmm. you like they have tools to remove the hate pieces, but they're not going to give them time to do it. So you're going to be to be pretty good in that matchup. Any other? What about uh, the blue white control matchup? Yeah, I think white is it's fine because you can you can like play around the the roughs with your company as well. Some of your creatures are pretty good standalone threats. It's pretty important in the, in the blue-white matchup that some of your creatures have Vigilance. So they don't get killed by the Wandering Emperor. Yeah. That mm. comes up a lot in that matchup. Yeah. Especially Adeline because okay. she's like a giant beater that can't be killed by Emperor. That's pretty relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What other decks do we need to worry about? Um, uh, so like the black-red deck, it's a matchup which I think is tough. Because like they're like playing... mid-range? Yeah. No, the sacrifice version like, mm-hmm. that has been seen play lately. Mm. So, like they playing, they're playing cat oven, so that makes attacking on the ground difficult. That's like a matchup where the absent falconer is going to be pretty good. And they play a bunch of spot removal, so they're going to be able to contain your bard pretty well usually. Mm-hmm. So, but you can you you can win the 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 matchup if you draw well, like if you land early Talia to mess up with their their spells and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, Shaper Sanctuary is like a card you should be playing a bunch of copies if you if you expect to face that deck a lot. the The card really carries the matchup by itself if you play it early. So that's kind of the card I like to play that I don't see that many other people playing because I, I think the matchup kind of can feel hopeless if you don't have it in your sideboard. Um, what about burn? The burn matchup? Hmm. I think burn is fine mostly because people are not playing that much like Searing Blood Effects. Right now, the decks going the monar decks a bit slower. It's going a bit bigger with like Chandra Dress to kill, which is a card that's not very good against us. Mm-hmm. Post board, you also have like the combo and like I'm playing Dromokos Command, which is a card that's really good against burn spells. They have some enchantments as well, so you can get some really nice two for ones with that card. Like sacrifice your idol on prevent your burn spell and or fight a creature. But I don't think any of the decks are favored 
in the matchup. I think it's pretty 50-50. Any other decks you think we should focus on, Kevin? Um, Did we mention blue-white as far as how you feel about the matchup overall? Control, yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, should we talk? Sorry, late at night. For me. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we talk about like your your other decks that you uh, like? If if you had Claudio playing Niv Mizzet and another Claudio playing en- Enigmatic and another Claudio playing five color humans. humans, who would come out on top? Oh, I think the Niv matchup it's pretty good. Like I had a lot of trouble playing as the Green White deck before, the Green White humans deck before, and this deck is kind of similar. Early pressure with Tali is really annoying for 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 the Bring to Life deck. So I think mm-hmm. that's a good matchup. I think it's this, this the same case for Incarnation. Like Tali is really a pain for the deck. A, a bunch of the the mid range decks I like to play just lose to Talia, so that's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so I think you're pretty yeah. good in general against like the more clunkier decks. I think that covers most of the decks we need to worry about in the meta. I mean, the meta is ever ever changing, ever shifting, and I know that we don't really have to worry about um, probably auras anymore. I haven't seen spirits around. Yeah, spirits uh, is spirits much. a pretty bad matchup because all their creatures fly and yours don't. Mm-hmm. So that, that oh yeah, yeah. I, um, I think mono I greens. Have, yeah, mono green is kind of bad as well because of bigger creatures, right? Mm, like. Mostly because you can't interact very well with like the the devotion they they have in play, so you mm-hmm. can't really stop the storm the fast for chains, and you're not fast enough to kill them before they start doing it. So I think that matchup is not great. Like you, yeah, I don't like, think yeah. your interaction, like this deck is kind of weak against elves decks in general, because mm-hmm. your interaction is refactor mage, and if you are on the draw, your refactor mage is going to be too slow. Mm-hmm. And I guess this kind of leads me into my next question, which is like, what what are your thoughts on you know the Neo coming out of meta? You've been playing now for a couple weeks. You know the is the format uh, kind of settled by now after the SCG open, or does it still is there still some optimization to be had? You know what kind of decks do you think are going to be you know successful? I think, I think things kind of settled. For the most part, today we had the, like a big tournament, a Mox showcase mm-hmm. qualifier, and I think people like the the, the default agro deck of the format now is just like the Monora deck. It has been doing well, like mm. decently enough. The Monora deck, and like we're noticing a lot of play as well. Like blue white control has cemented itself as a like mm-hmm. a big play in the format. I think it's. Like just really strong in general. I have been seeing a lot of Phoenix coming back. Like I felt that Phoenix was underrepresented for the past few months, but I think that the deck is coming back. Ascendancy, I have seen Ascendancy doing well as well. Like mm-hmm. Canister finished second place in the tournament today with Ascendancy. Oh, nice. Um, I have seen the Fires deck coming back as well. I think the deck, mm-hmm. like the Transmogrify style decks. Those have been coming back. Yeah, so I think the mat the mat has been settling definitely in a slower place than it was before. You don't see like the super aggressive style decks that you saw before with Rose again. Like Feather is not oh sorry, the heroic deck is not really a thing anymore. Mm. For example, you don't see auras anymore. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, so like the speed of yeah. the format now is determined by Winota pretty much, I would say. Winota is like the de facto aggro deck of, or I guess it's a combo deck of sorts, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, combo, a combo, combo aggro deck. Yeah. I would say. You mentioned mono red aggro though. How's the mono red? Um, I'm guessing it's a little bit different from the burn matchup. Um, I think the big difference in the in the that matchup is Bond Crusher Giants. If they can mm. make a good use of Bond Crusher Giants, it's, it's usually pretty good for them. Like if they get to kill a creature, but like most of our creatures that matter don't die to stomp, which is nice. Mm. But yeah, so that's like so Scar Mages is also pretty annoying, but that was something that the Burn Deck also played. Okay. <clears throat> Um, I think that covers, you know, we talked about the matchups, we talked about the core cards, uh, the alternatives, um, we talked... Do you have any comments as far as, like, a new player picking this yeah. up? What are some How to play important things to pay attention to? Oh, definitely sequencing the lands, I think it's kind of important. You want to, like, for example, you want to be leading with the green lands when you can, because you can always draw a War of Pack Leader to play on turn 2. And if you played uh, Inspiring mm-hmm. Vantage, for example, to play your Turban Inspector, and if you had another option that produced white, you kind of messed that up. So if you have like um, a secluded courtyard or unclaimed territory in your hand, try to play that first. Make sure you're going to have green for your company on turn 4, because sometimes you're going to have to choose with the pathway. So there are some tricks, some some tricky things about the mana base that you have to be careful about. Mm. I think that like mostly, mostly it's always play a basic because of void control. I have seen people playing without basics, and mm. I, I think you're going to lose a couple games with field of ruin uh, because of field of ruin that you shouldn't be losing because you don't have a basic. So mm. I kind of kind of like that. Don't be too good with the creatures you you are trying to play, like the, the freebooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's mostly. It's like try to also take care to notice that you're not going to lower your creature count too much when you sideboard. That's all, mm-hmm. always important. I think like having thirty twenty nine creatures is, is always like the minimum you you should have when you're sideboarding some spells. So you should be careful about that. Yeah, it's a good question, uh, Kevin. I'm glad you asked that one. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, that answers all my questions. I think we covered most of the main points. Um, anything else you want to say, Kevin, or do you want to wrap it up? No, you know, I guess we're uh, keeping it a short one today. That's fine with uh, late night for the, all of us. You starting a new job. But, yeah, this is great. You know, I like the deck. I got a little bit more insight from hearing you talk about it. And I think that hopefully uh, people listening will be able to pick this one up and we'll see uh, something other than some Winota when we're talking yes. about aggro and Pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I um, think that... There is some good variety. You know, There's this, there's Spirits, yeah. there's, uh, Monorads, there's some yeah. options now. Monorads. I think this, def- this deck is definitely a deck that you have to pick your spots to play in Pioneer for now. The deck's not going to be great in all the meta games because of like mainly the speed issue. When we get like the the mana directly so desperately need this deck is going to be great, but for now mm. you should stick to playing mm-hmm. this deck when like you are seeing a lot of the matchups I talked about that are good. So this is a is a okay. is a nice Makes tool sense. to keep in mind that 
it's going to be great in some meta games, not so great in others, but it's a per- perfectly yeah. good deck. It, it, it looks like a lot of fun to play as well. Oh, yes. I have been playing this in FNM actually for the past uh, two weeks. It's pretty pretty cool. Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll give it a shot shortly. I keep promising myself I'm going to. <laughs> All right. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us here. This is uh, really fun. Um, anything else you want to add, Ryan? Otherwise, if you guys at home have anything you liked to hear, you enjoyed hearing here, if you want to hear more, uh, make sure to follow us at MPG Pioneer. That's the best place to stay up to date with everything going on in the format, as well as a great place to keep in contact with us. You can also find a link to our other socials there, so you can find our Discord. Um, we also link to all kinds of things that are going on in Pioneer in the world, so good place to keep track of everything. Yeah, and I would love to hear more uh, ideas for for humans. I think we're really close to optimizing it. Like like Claudio said, we just need you know a few better lands and maybe, I don't know, some better, uh, maybe, I don't know, a couple more powerful humans and this deck could be, you know, easily be tier one. Right now, you know, I think it's just, like I said, it's a fun deck, um, you know, tier, tier 1.5, tier two maybe, but I enjoy these types of decks a lot. Um, you guys can find me on uh twitter at yo japan hobbyist and uh claudio how about you yeah you can find me at claudio h on twitter and on twitch and yeah give me give me a follow there like this season with kamigawa i actually brewed two decks that went on to become like pretty competitive in pioneer so i i'm, I'm trying to keep that up with uh, every set the releases some like most of my ideas are going to fail but it seems some mm. some of them actually <laughs> stick around so that has been pretty cool to see uh, yeah just give me a follow there so to keep to keep up with what i'm playing yeah bringing the spice the spice <laughs> All right, that's going to bring us to the end of our show. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Uh, thank you for joining us, Claudio. We appreciate your insight, as always, on a competitive look at the inside of Pioneer, as well as to uh, go through the details of a deck that really is one and yours. Um, we are the first Pioneers podcast. We look forward to being everyone's go-to source for Pioneer information online. Uh, the first Pioneers are manning out.